Hey there, spooky friends. It's Megan. And before we hop into the episode, I want to tell y'all a little bit about what we've got coming up in person next. We're so excited to announce that our friends at Little Cottage Brewing have invited us back for a monthly spot with trivia. So that means it's time to mark your calendars with a few dates to come hang out with us and play along. On December 13th, join us for Creepy Holiday Trivia, where we'll have questions ranging from spooky holiday traditions around the world, mischievous holiday mythical beings, holiday-themed horror movies, and more. Then, on January 17th, join us again for a deck themed around fears and phobias. Last but not least on the calendar is February 14th for a theme of romance and scorned lovers in horror. We can't wait to see you on December 13th, January 17th, and February 14th for some excellent craft beer and a scary good time. Okay, 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 I get it. Now, on to the episode. Hey again, Creepy Pals, it's Megan, and welcome back to another mini-sode of Clever Ghouls. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about the history of science fiction, how it reflects our societal fears, why it has to evolve as we evolve, and why it firmly has a seat within the genre of horror. Fear is an age-old emotion, and scary stories have been a part of our history since the dawn of time. Some of our earliest examples go all the way back to Greek tragedies, and even further than that, the tales that were used to incite fear to teach people, especially children, about the dangers in the world around them. Our storytelling has often revolved around what scares us and our collective anxieties. And as a society, we are fascinated with the end of the world, and we have long used science fictions as a means to cope and reflect our cultural fears of it. William Ford Gibson, a sci-fi writer widely credited with pioneering the sci-fi genre cyberpunk, once said that the end of the world is a universal shorthand for whatever we don't want to happen. Sci-fi as a genre coalesced during the age of colonialism as Europe invaded and conquered foreign territories and peoples. When Columbus accidentally landed in the Caribbean circa the 1490s, he demanded gold from the indigenous people whose home was that land. Meanwhile, his men murdered and pillaged their way across that same land, and shortly following, this pattern was repeated around the globe, and, and the arrival of European settlers meant the end of many people's lives. As they wiped out the Aztecs and enslaved West Africans, the colonizers felt unstoppable and redoubtable. But they also began to ponder anxiously about what would happen if someone were to invade them. One of our first examples of the science fiction colonizer anxiety is George Chesney's 1871 novella entitled The Battle of Dorkling. Chesney was an officer in the British Army, and he was worried that the brute force of the military was slipping. So his story was one of Germany waging a surprise war on the British and the Royal Engineers being totally unprepared and vastly underskilled. Chesney hoped that his hypothetical tale of a German occupation and regime would scare England into increasing the spending for British defense. And at the same time, we get one of our most famous examples of sci-fi, H.G. Wells' The War of the Worlds. In stark juxtaposition to Chesney, Wells hoped to decrease military efforts and instead called for Europe to reconsider its aggressive colonial tactics. Except this time the colonizers weren't European, they were aliens. Wells claimed that the Martian invasion was simply a consequence of European colonialism, and he stated the Tasmanians, in spite of their human likeness, were entirely swept out of existence in a war of extermination waged by European immigrants in the space of 50 years. Are we such apostles of mercies as to complain if the Martians warred in the same spirit? 
Almost 100 years later, one of the original and most notable sci-fi films comes to the silver screen. About 10 years into the Cold War, Invasion of the Body Snatchers tells a tale of people who are replaced by body doubles that look identical to their archetypes, but lack all free will and individual control. And during this time, Wisconsin Senator Joseph McCarthy was telling the public that communist and communist sympathizers were beginning to infiltrate the U.S. government and secretly taking positions within the government and the military. This sci-fi story feeds on the then-current anxieties of a communist occupation, as well as secret spies who were trying to overthrow the country. And just two years prior to that, in 1954, we're given the sci-fi film Godzilla, a classic tale about a monster created by nuclear radiation. A movie whose entire concept came from the shared fears of about nuclear war following the dropping of the atomic bombs during World War II. And then we get one of my favorite pieces of sci-fi art. Alien debuted in 1979 and served as a critique of labor exploitation and how capitalistic structures of power turn human beings into cogs in the corporate machine. Director Ridley Scott not only creates an effective sci-fi horror movie, but also a subtle and equally horrifying critique on the corporate exploitation of employees. Human lives mean nothing compared to what capitalism declares as the greater good, both in the world of Scott and in the world of today. Human lives are expendable, and honestly, what's scarier than that? What sci-fi does best, though, is not detail the realities of these specific problems so that we might avoid them, but rather to represent our most pressing cultural anxieties. If a solution is presented by a science fiction film, it is seldom workable, immediately possible, or even logical in real-world application. And while we still may not have commercial spaceflight to that extent or teleportation just yet, the lines between advanced technology and our current capabilities are largely blurred. We have a world of information available right at our fingertips, self-driving cars, and we're able to stay connected with people around the globe in real time. Science fiction as a genre was created to and continues to reflect our fears, anxieties, and interests in technological advancement. So much so that American psychologist Craig Broad coined the term techno-stress in his 1984 book titled Techno-Stress, The Human Cost of the Computer Revolution. This term refers to one's inability to cope with technology's rapid advancement and our reliance on it and how that results in distress. It provides a definition for the negative psychological state associated with the direct correlation to the introduction of new technology. What we find scary in terms of technology evolves as we evolve, and sci-fi as a genre has to always be transforming to keep up. It's constantly changing and constantly adjusting. If science fiction reflects our innermost fears, how did we see ourselves as a society in our favorite sci-fi movies when they came out? The Clever Goals podcast is run by Megan, Marissa, Blair, and Melissa. This episode was done by Megan. Our intro and outro music was created for us by Josh Marshall. Find his links in our show notes. For more episodes and other spooky content, find us on your favorite social media platform through our handle at Clever Ghouls. Don't forget to subscribe and share. And if you really like our content, please leave us a review.